Sequel Quest, Episode 28, a sequel to E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. Take a journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. And welcome back to the 80s. This week... You have your host, Jeremy, here, and with me, we've got three special hosts with your next E.T. sequel, Adam. Hey, hey, hey! Jeff. Hi, hi, hi! <laughs> and going to the bullpen for Justin, we have Judy. Hey, guys. See, we were Welcome doing a three thing, Judy, <laughs> where we were repeating it three times. I, I didn't want to Judy, do give that. Judy, give us a hi, hi, hi. And then I get like, ho, 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 or something. <laughs> so, we're getting closer to Good Christmas. enough for Santa. Oh, we have fun here. Hey, but we're celebrating today. It's so much more than just any other show. What is it, guys? You're going to have to be more specific there, Adam, because there, there are so many things to celebrate right now. <laughs> Truly. We're celebrating our new president. Oh. Uh, well, not quite. Oh, not yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you this. If you've been listening since the beginning, you've officially been listening for 12 months because this is our one-year anniversary podcast. Wow. Can you believe it? hey oh, That is right. Way to go, guys. Thank you, Judy. A whole year. Who'd have thunk? Good We'd deal. stick it out and keep spouting this nonsense for it's all true. these. And, <laughs> and that you all would have stuck it out and kept listening. I'm assuming some of you have. This is not just for us, but. And if it is, so be it. But we'd love for you to be part, <laughs> part of the club. Uh, but seriously, for me, uh, I, I was kind of the one that coerced everybody uh, into getting this started uh, one year ago on Back to the Future Day on October 21st, 2015. Um, and I just, I want to just sincerely thank uh, Jeremy, first of all, for kind of being my co-captain in all of this, uh, being our producer, just taking all the time to get the shows actually put together, sounding good, available, the awesome yes, job sir. on the website. So Jeremy, thank you so much. Give you a, a mighty round of applause. Oh, yeah. you are all mighty welcome. <laughs> and uh, Jeff, sincerely, uh, Jeff is the is the friend I could always count on to go along with me, whether I'm making a, a cheap, no budget film or uh, just coming up with some wacky idea like this. Uh, so, Jeff, again, thank you for for being here and uh, being really the first one to say yes. <laughs> And, uh, and be really, uh, really excited about it. So, I feel like I'm the Justin Musel back in back in high school, where we had our little club, and I kicked everybody out of the club except for Justin Musel. And so, <laughs> like, that's me. I've just stuck around, you know. Yeah, I haven't been thrown off yet. Not, not getting too bigger and bigger in your britches, that's for sure. And we have to thank Judy for allowing Jeff to be a part of this well, in our sure. late night recording session. So, also oh, yeah, thank you, Judy. Sure. 
But uh, as with all things, uh, it's been a year of excitement and fun. You heard at the top of the show, Justin uh, not able to celebrate with us. Life has taken him in kind of a different direction, his availability uh, to participate and give us the the wonderful sense of humor that he's brought uh, for, for all this time. We're really going to miss him, but uh, Justin is having to move on from the podcast. We may get him as a special guest down the road as his, uh, his schedule opens up, but a moment of podcast silence for our friend Justin. Well, he's not dead, people. Come on now. <laughs> In the podcasting sense, he's dead to us. (laughs) But if he's coming back as a special guest, he'll be a ghost. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that'd be even cooler. Yeah. No, but seriously, Justin brought a levity to the show and I seriously do not care guys attitude that I think really uh, brought some great levity to like, because I think all of us were always like, oh yeah, we're doing a great show. Oh yeah. Look at, listen to this pitch. This is going to change the world. And Justin's like, whatever guys, here's what I'm throwing out there. So um but no, but we we will have a lineup of uh, of some great guest hosts coming in. We got Judy tonight, and and some other people coming up. But the good news is, Jeremy, tell them all about it. What we got uh, in the can, ready to go. Uh, in the can, we've got the fly. Yes, we've got quite a bit else that I don't have pulled up at the moment. That's fine. We, we got we got Xanadu. We got the Fifth Element. We've got we've got quite a few shows. Uh, the Postman coming up just in time for for the election. Uh, Adjusted was a part of all of those shows. We we did a lot of recording that we just didn't release immediately. So for all you Justin fans out there and uh, friends of his who have been listening and supporting us, thank you again for all your suggestions and emails. Uh, Justin will still be a part of the show in spirit uh, t- till the end of the year, 2017. Uh, it'll definitely be a, a, a new vibe and an exciting vibe as we find our uh, our other guest hosts. Now, speaking uh, of that, Adam, we are going to be opening it up to you listeners for an open audition. If you want to join us for a specific movie that you really want to see come back as a sequel or if you want to be a regular on the show. So make sure to email us at sequelquestpod at gmail.com or any of our other social sites. Find us, message us, let us know that you want to be on and what movie you really want to sequelize. And yeah. we will we'll hit those up as soon as we get them and get rolling on that. Yeah, so we're, we're excited. So, so uh, make sure you, you send that over to the email there. And, uh, you know, also just, just so you're prepared, make sure you got a, a microphone, make sure you got a Skype account or a Gmail account or any of those things. So just technically we can make sure we uh, connect with you easily, get you on the show. So uh, I think it's time to roll. Are we ready to roll across the Yeah, moon? it's time to get down to business, man. <laughs> Uh, so when we when we were talking about our anniversary show, we were throwing all sorts of film franchises out there, or or you know franchises that should have been. We wanted something that had the same impact as that that initial show with Back to the Future, which was so beloved, but people have always wanted to get a little bit more. And then we got to E.T. the Extraterrestrial for 1982, a film that I feel like uh, is so like 
a part of of the culture of cinema everybody knows that everybody can you know quote some form of it whether it's et's you know uh, simple phrases or whatever um but yet no sequel ever came out you know 1982 we've had plenty of time um and uh does anybody know why has anybody well we don't include any... mac and me the mcdonald's <laughs> ripoff that doesn't count as a sequel that, no. that was like a fever dream. That's like, I think I had E.T. on in the background once. Didn't he drink a lot of Coke and dance with Ronald McDonald? Oh, boy. Dressed like a bear, uh, no less. Yes. Now, I... Uh, no, no, I, it is I not. Remember, I remember there was a rumor of a sequel that was somewhat scripted, at least rough draft-wise, and it was going to include a carnivorous... A violent group of aliens that had enslaved the ET race and arrived on Earth. Mm -hmm. And ET was going to be the one to end up saving the day or something. Yeah, and and... that was something that right after the film came out and was such a huge hit, uh, Melissa Matheson, who was the writer, and Steven Spielberg got together, and that, that was kind of some of the stuff they were throwing around. Um, and by the way, Melissa Matheson was Harrison Ford's wife at the time, so it's just kind of a weird connection in that world. Harrison Ford's wife wrote uh, E.T., so <laughs> no, no longer, of course, now he's with uh, Ally McBeal. But um, anyway, I, but the interesting thing was they threw that out, and I, I was just uh, watching a making of documentary. She also mentioned that they were going to add in a buddy alien for E.T., <laughs> in a different concept and named Joe, who's going to be like a long skinny alien, probably more like a close encounters type alien. And they were going to be like a kind of a Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello. I don't know. Fred Astaire to Bob Hope type thing. I don't know. It was something along those lines. And I was like, wow, that would have been weird. Um, <laughs> but like basically at one point though, what, I, the, no, there was no cartoon, but don't you think there should have been? There was like, no, there was a cartoon. What? What are you talking about? Tell like, me about wait, this. wait, wait, wait. There was a cartoon, <laughs> and Adam doesn't know about it. Yeah, that's shocking right now. Well, and right, and a big thing too is that the uh, um, the video game, which ET the Extraterrestrial is, is considered probably the worst video game ever made. And in fact, was what led to the famous video game crash of 1983 or whatever that was, which is why Nintendo had such a hard time getting sold in America because ultimately of, of E.T. and the horribleness of its video game. Yeah, and speaking of which, there is a documentary on Netflix. Check it out. Both E.T. the Extraterrestrial, the film, and this documentary called E.T. I believe it's E.T. Game Over. Oh. Um, you should really check it out because the whole myth and legend around that was that they, you know, they rushed it out for Christmas. Steven Spielberg gave it his blessing, and it was so poorly programmed and terrible, like Jeff said, that they had so many uh so many copies of the game sent back to Atari that they sent them out to a landfill and buried them. And for years, people were like, oh, there's this secret, you know, collection of sealed ET games. And this guy, an archaeologist, spent years actually mapping it all out, figuring out all the dumping, you know, cycles and years. And they actually went out and excavated the landfill where this guy, you know, you know, figured it all out with the coordinates. I won't tell you what happened. Go watch it. But it was 
it is fascinating. It is, it is a fascinating documentary. It's so cool. Okay, I stand. <laughs> I stand corrected. There was no cartoon made. No, it's no. just there were. There were images that kind of gave me the look like there was a cartoon at one yeah. point in time. So maybe, probably fan made. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, there was a lot of merchandise. I mean, obviously, right. it, it was it was a kid-focused film. They knew what they were doing when they made this. Um, and did anybody own any merchandise back in the day? Like, you know, I was born when the movie came out. 82, you know, I was born. So <laughs> I didn't see it in theaters, but I ended up with an E.T. doll, but it had like this leather skin. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. I've got, yeah, I still have that. Wow. It, it's all the skin is flaking off though. So it is kind of haggard looking. Wow. That's cool, Jeff. Yeah, I guess it looks, <laughs> yeah. Again, kind of war weary because of that. Well, and the other thing too is that they, you know, aside from like they had like, you know, little action figures and, and dolls and things like that, there was an item that was recalled from store shelves. You could look it up, find it online. It was the ET light up finger. So it was like a long <laughs> finger that you could stick, you know, on your own finger as a kid. And, you know, it would light up when you pushed a button on the inside. Uh, the problem was it, it got just, too hot and lit fires. Uh, you would think, right? Or it electrocuted some kid. Um, I think it, up their noses and burning their faces. <laughs> if you just look at it, uh, it's pretty plain to see it was not appropriate for children. I'll just leave it there. But you just it, okay. it brings to mind other things, and you're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody failed in marketing. Exactly. They let Seems that one through. A lot. <laughs> but um, now the other thing, what there was. There was an official sequel in novel form, however, mm. I will tell you that. Um, so for all you ET heads out there who have found the, ep the uh, this episode, we are aware of the Green Planet uh, novelization. Uh, it came out in 1985 where, you know, ET's back at home on his planet. He's dealing with kind of the politics of, of his world and the consequences of him, uh, you know, going on his earthly adventure. And he uh, is trying to communicate with Elliot, who's going through puberty now, and he's discovering girls and all these other things. And uh, it's just there's kind of some weird stuff going on there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Yeah, that does exist, but I don't believe any of us base our pitches tonight on that novel. Well, there I'm goes my pitch. Exactly. <laughs> Except for Jeremy. You hadn't found out about that book because I just ripped it. Darn it! it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, now my other question is too, and uh, with you guys, with ET the film, we're talking about all like the periphery stuff, but uh, I don't think any of us were born or. As I should say again, not in the theaters when the movie came out. So, what what is kind of your familiarity with the film and, and favorite scene or moment? Uh, and uh, uh, Judy, we are doing this live, folks. Judy, I think you might have to do a little adjustment on your mic again because you you're giving us some static as if you're coming from the galaxy far beyond and transmitting to us. Okay, I'll do that while someone else talks. <laughs> yeah, just pop that cable out, pop it back in. So Jeff, you came well, up oh. with a doll. How'd that how'd that affect your movie watching? Uh, not at all. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, like as a kid, I mean, I have very little memories of at least kid kid, like pre eleven years old. I have no memory of watching any movie that came out since you know after the sixties. 
Um, but uh, it, it's funny because it's one of those that I would kind of lump, I guess, with most Steven Spielberg movies where there is one scene that um, like jumped out of my, in my, out of, in my head and, and that's what I remembered and it scared me. And like Raiders of the Lost Ark, all I remembered was the guy's face melting and something about rats. I don't know why rats freaked me out. But uh, for for this one, it was the spacemen coming into the room or into the, the house in oh, particular yeah. where for some reason the one guy decides to reach through the blinds and come <laughs> in through the kitchen window. Unexplicable, but it happens. And like as a kid, that kind of that, you know, that really freaked me out. And even as we were watching it, Judy and I, that that was uh intentionally so where it's because so like you said so much of the film is done through a child's perspective mm -hmm. is that that was the feeling you were supposed to get from that scene uh but for me now especially as um not only a film buff but a a music uh, 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 um, uh musical score buff and of course a john williams fanatic is uh it it's 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 phenomenal. And even as I was watching it previously, where it's just like there, I have no, there's no way that I can imagine a Spielberg film without John Williams, where it's like the, it's almost like the two of them together deserve credit for the film itself. Because if mm -hmm. you take away John Williams score, it's a completely different film. Uh, I mean like the final as an adult now watching the final scene as ET leaves, there's maybe a dozen words spoken in that entire scene, but so much emotion is expressed through the music and you leave instead of, I mean, you might be bawling down crying with ET leaving, but it's a, it's a moment of triumph of him finally being rescued. And that's 100% John Williams. The score does all of that. And just the soaring sprint and the, the strings and just the, that it ends in a classic John Williams, Dun, 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 dun. And you're just like, yes, ET won. All right, <laughs> ET won. He beat the Empire. He can, he, he's the champion of all. Well, no, I, I, you know, what's funny, Jeff, is in the the making of documentary I was watching. Spielberg basically said, you know what, John Williams basically rewrites my films for me. <laughs> like, he's like, I do the movie, he puts the score to it, then I totally recut it and change it around because he just makes it into something so much better. So you're totally on point with that. That's awesome. Well, it was, yeah, it was fascinating too. As just kind of a side note, uh, we were watching a YouTube video. I think it was Screen Rant uh, that they did one. It was talking actually about uh, the modern superhero movies, and it's been really fascinating to watch now the modern like. And it's not just superhero movies. That's maybe the most dramatic example, but is that modern films for the most part seem to want to favor action and dialogue over the score. And so, like, we went back, for example, and watched the final fight scene from the original Thor, the first Thor movie. And, yeah, there's a score going on, but it's so much in the background. And instead, you're hearing the grunts, and you're hearing the explosions, and you're hearing the ching, 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 and everything like that. Whereas Spielberg, he would, like, John Williams, it was the opposite. There was action going on, but the score was so much larger, and it really got that emotional connection. And I thought, again, that screen rant, uh, YouTube video is a really interesting kind of dissection of how that has changed and how that affects the audience. 
Yeah, so go back and watch E.T. and learn something, you that current too. filmmakers. Uh-huh. All right. Judy, how about you? What was your experience watching this film for the first time or many times over the years? Yeah, so how, how am I sounding for what? You sound fantastic. Okay, great. Um, this, yeah, this was a movie we watched a lot as a kid. And, like, I don't know. It was just, like, one of those movies we would always watch. And I remember... At some point, we must have gone to Universal Studios, and my brother was old enough to ride the ET ride they had at the time, yeah. which was basically you like ride, you like sit on a bike, and they take your picture. You know, where you're like, I'm flying, and ET's in the bike. But um, yeah, I just like remember watching this a lot. Like, and I don't even know if it was like my brothers loved it, or I loved it, or it was just like, oh yeah, everyone likes ET in the house, so we're gonna watch ET. And I do remember getting in trouble one time for repeating one of the lines that Elliot showed his brothers. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant, but he called his brother something at the dinner table yeah. and the mom laughs, you know? And I said that to my brothers and I got in trouble. And I was like, I, I don't know what that means. I was like four. <laughs> or so That's um, hilarious. Yeah. So oh. yeah, it's a movie I'd seen a lot. And I don't think until we watched it this week, like, I don't think I'd watched it in a long time. So it was kind of fun to go back and be like, oh, yeah, like this is way different when you're grown up. Like it's still awesome, but it's like you kind of notice different things where you're like, what is up with this mom? Or like, I mean, you <laughs> empathize with her, but you're also like, wow, these kids sure are lacking in supervision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But she's going to go pick up uh, Elliot from school and just leave Drew Barrymore, the six year old at home alone. Yeah, it's like, totally. what? Did they do that in the eighties? I guess so. <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah, it definitely was. Now, Jeremy, what about you? Because you're you're a little bit younger than the rest of us. How how did ET kind of float into your world? Ah, uh, I've not seen this in probably fifteen twenty years. Wow, and didn't get a chance to sit down and watch it of late, but. Uh, what do you remember most then? I'm curious after 15 uh, years, what's the thing that sticks yeah. with you? The bike scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much the most iconic thing I remember. Um, I've done the ET ride at Universal, but I, even that wasn't, wasn't sticking with me very much. Hmm. Well, see, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause like the, the, the ride's been brought up twice. I'll just, I'll just come out and say it. E.T., like, I that was not a movie necessarily from my childhood, but the character in pop culture was. Like, I didn't watch the movie. I literally, Jeff brought it up, Mac and Me. Mac and Me was my E.T. I watched that one all the time. Oh, that explains so much, so really much internet. Xanadu, and Xanadu. it explains a lot. <laughs> but so... Yeah, Mac and me is my ET, but I went to Universal Studios all the time and I rode the ride, just as we mentioned before, which my favorite part of the ride was like the whole the ride starts on Earth and it's kind of the whole part of the bike racing or, you know, bike riding scene floating through the air, all that. But then at the end, it takes you to ET's home world and you meet, you see all these other little ET creatures jumping around and it's this happy (laughs) vegetation world. And at the end, ET says your name, you know. He'd be like, Judy, you know, like it just, he says it real funny. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, But the the ride, my favorite part was just the walk up, like while you're getting ready to go, it's actually like made up like the forest. 
And so I was like, I'm indoors, but it feels like I'm outdoors. And there was like a little bit of a pine smell and some mist. Like they did such a great job just setting the scene. I loved that part. And there'd be like E.T.'s little uh, communicator, you know, was set up and you could walk by it. Like just all of that to be put me in the world. So I loved the ride. And then, um, you know, the other thing that's kind of a, a, an exclusive that I have here, um, my my brother, uh, I've mentioned on past episodes, is 17 years older than me. And he graduated. He was, gra- he was a senior graduating when I was born in 82. But um, so when this movie came out, he had a friend uh, named Joy, who's actually now his wife. Um, and uh, they were friends way back then. They used to play Dungeons and Dragons together. That was their thing in junior high and high school. And they uh, went to school with, now again, this is this is for what they tell me, uh, but they went uh, with Robert McNaughton, who plays Mike, the brother. They went to school with him. And they remember him being kind of like a, a quiet guy, kind of reserved. This is this is the, uh, the literal uh, message I got from them. Their explanation was, he was very quiet, but they heard he liked to play Dungeons and Dragons. So they invited him and he played with them. So my brother and sister-in-law played Dungeons and Dragons with Elliot's brother uh, back in the day, which they do in the movie. In the movie. Which is crazy. Oh, yeah. so, and Elliot so wants- that's a real thing. Elliot yeah. wanted to be just like your brother, but couldn't. They wouldn't See? even let him. <laughs> Got a leg up. But anyway, so so that was I always thought that was cool. When I finally saw E.T., though, when I finally saw the movie, I was just like, you know, this is pretty much everything it's been hyped up to be. But the thing that was missing to me, there was no dancing. There's no dance numbers. <laughs> that can be ET for the dance numbers. Oh. But what ET had really yeah. was the scary. This it like the all the happy stuff really passed me by, but it freaked me out when ET is dying. And I think for most kids, right? It's like when Optimus yeah. Prime gets killed in Transformers the movie. ET's dying, he's all white and dried out mm-hmm. in the plastic bag, body bag. It's just like that freaked me out back in the day. Like finally seeing it and that, that's when i was a teenager that's when i finally saw it and i'm like whoa that's scary that's like so sad and scary at the same time so but uh, the other funny thing is just again in the peripheral i didn't see like i said et for so long but henry thomas who played elliot i knew who he was because i loved the movie cloak and dagger with dabney Coleman. Oh, yeah. do you guys remember that one mm-hmm. he I was do. the kid at that he was great and he was also in this movie called the quest that for some reason we owned on VHS. I think my parents bought it for me. They're like, you'll probably like this. And it was about this kid who thinks there's basically like a Loch Ness monster in this in this lake. And it turns out it's just this old mining crane thing covered in seaweed and gross stuff. But it was just like, I don't know. I was like, oh, Henry Thomas. Oh, I know him, you know? So anyway, just very interesting, all of that. Um, now, what, what just as we close out here on our on our memories um if you guys had like uh, a a favorite uh experience i mean i guess like when you think about et as just in pop culture can you think of any like references or moments where you've seen it uh brought up that, that has kind of stood out to you in any way well i'll on the flip side i'll say not least favorite i mean <laughs> kind of i guess but the one that uh i don't know but that they did 
and you can see it if you slow it down, is that in episode two, I think, of uh, oh, maybe yes, episode yes. one, of Star Wars, the prequels, they do a panoramic of all of the, the various races that are attending the Imperial Senate. And um, E.T., there are E.T. creatures that are in that. Which at that point, I mean, there was also a pod that was populated, I think, by In Sync because George Lucas's daughter loved In Sync. It's just the most <laughs> ridiculous thing in the history of. And he had lost so much credit by that point that it was just like, seriously, you're going to drag ET down too. But they were there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I yeah, I, I think actually you probably got us all beat with that one because that's probably the. <laughs> The one that's just like, you know, now that because I mean, it, it matches up right with the whole scene during Halloween when he sees Yoda. And right. He, and he's like, home, home, you know? So he's like, so obviously George Lucas repaid the favor uh, in that. So that's. Well, no. Can we address this? Is E.T. a Jedi then? <laughs> he knows Master Jedi Yoda. Said it. He's been on no. the Senate. There might have been one. <laughs> Except for, he well, and that's does. where it makes no sense is because Star Wars took place in a galaxy far, far away in a time long ago. So it's not physically possible. They're all long, long dead and way, way far away from However, so. fun fact, in the original the novelization for the original film, it states that E.T. is 10 million years old. So there you go. The the door is open. Uh, <laughs> it's very possible. And and also he's three million light years away from Earth. So uh, I mean, if they can travel that distance yeah. really quickly, I mean that would age that ah. Uh, well, how There's did, a wait, lot of we... science fiction aging there. Right. Sure. Where did we get that one from, though? Uh, that, is that me... the novel, too? Yeah, that that's... Oh, the, the three million light three years. Three million? Jeremy? I had yeah, where, Where'd you get that, that one? Uh, trying to pull that back up. <laughs> Jeremy, he just said that E.T. said it to him telepathically. That's what it is. Because yeah. I thought... I mean, he pointed to... He's like, you know, Earth, and then Neptune, and then Pluto, and then I'm over here. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, he's not that far away. <laughs> but it was i thought it was interesting on the flip side of the jedi part is the fact that like that et was so set in this current world where it's just like a kid in this day and age would be crazy obsessed with star wars because everybody was yeah and so for him to actually have the star wars action figures know some of their names but call ponda baba walrus man come on elliot well, no, get your well, junk together I, I believe that's what he was called on the card of the toy though like uh, on the card back like back then because so they, they had yak face like they they were they got real names later <laughs> and when the toys came out it was just like this guy looks like i don't know like a walrus walrus man yeah. you know but at least he got lando calrissian right you know he did, and, and uh boba fett yeah overrated but that's a different story all right jeremy uh do you have a uh do you have a plot summary for it? i mean everybody's everybody's probably cdt we're gonna hope but just for you you youngins out there trying to catch up and get a get an idea of, of what et is really all about yes i have a plot summary this comes from imdb and we know they are always right and never right at the same time <laughs> All right, this uh, this plot summary comes from Jay Welch, 5742. 
After a gentle alien becomes stranded on Earth, the being is discovered and befriended by a young boy named Elliot. Bringing the extraterrestrial into his suburban California home, Elliot introduces E.T., as the alien is dubbed, to his brother and his little sister, Gertie, and the children decide to keep this existence a secret. Soon, however, E.T. falls ill, resulting in government intervention and a dire situation for both Elliot and the alien. And yes, in the original version, shotguns were involved. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is something for those of you who don't know. A Spielberg uh, regretted showing uh, any of he the agents. He pulled a Lucas, okay? Yeah, he did. He pulled Which, a George Lucas. Right, and if I can throw, just because maybe that's my thing, I really enjoy my rants. So if I can just throw a micro rant in here on two parts. One is that, is exactly that, is that so much about Spielberg, and maybe it's just the fact that, like, maybe he should have died long ago. No offense to you, jo or, or Stephen, <laughs> but just in the idea that, like, here first, oh folks. maybe the worst oh. thing that an artist can do is be able to nitpick their own work, is, is what I mean. Not that I want him dead, but just in the idea that when you can go back and go, well, I could have done this, and I could have done this, it's like, you were a genius. Don't try and like second guess it because I mean it's like going back and doing Jaws again where he can have Robo Shark everywhere. It's like then it's Sharknado. It's a horrible film if you do that. Same thing where he was able to go back and digitally redo. The only reason I bought that version on the DVD is because it comes with the original, and I will only watch the original because the new one is an abomination of nature. <laughs> Second one, though, and that's ironic, and that's why I wanted to get it out before we get into our pitches, is this is one of those movies, and I think we started off the show, which, perfect, it's a year later, I can go back to my original premise. There are a lot of these movies that I am so thankful they didn't make sequels, because if you ask me, E.T. is perfect the way that it is, and it ends exactly the way that it's supposed to end, and that's the point that it ended that way. And if they would have made a sequel, then it would have ruined the way that it kind of ended. So for us to now be a sequel, okay, that's fine. We'll do this. But at the same time, it's like there are certain movies that it's like, yeah, they were perfect in, in, its, own, in its own right. Yeah, Spielberg has said as much. And we are, we are defying his wishes by trying to create a sequel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll hear it and be like, you know what? I never thought of it that way. <laughs> sequel quest was right that was jeff who said that he wished you would die and judy did not say that and would love to meet you so <laughs> i didn't say i wish i said maybe it would have been better that's, you know, <laughs> oh that's, that's totally great that's still I, harsh. It's totally different it's uh, that was jeff again all right right it's like van gogh you know van gogh died and so then his work you know he because he would have painted over all of his work if he, oh, he committed your examples are really bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Judy, can you give us a reset on your mic one more time? And Jeremy, lead us in. Lead the charge. Well, uh, as we get ready to kick off the pitches here, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but I had one idea. And I mean, it's we're coming up on the 40th anniversary almost. Wow. We're getting close. 35, 36, something like that. We're getting up there. Yeah. And uh, so I would have a cataclysmic event happen on Earth. And the only way that we can re 
grow the organics and plant life on earth is ET would read Elliot's mind and know to come back and give him plants and replant things on the earth. Hmm. So it'd be like the day after tomorrow. So we'll, we'll, we'll just make sure that we get, you know, the brought to you by the makers of independence day and San Andreas and every other <laughs> disaster film. We'll bring, get back the team back together, do an ET film. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you've got Elliot would be in his forties, mid forties, something like that. So I, uh, the world can go nuts in this yeah. universe. <laughs> nice. But let's uh, let's kick it off tonight. Judy, you want to kick us off? Oh, okay. Um, so my mine is a sequel, and I'm not really sure what to call it, but maybe just the extraterrestrials. And the short pitch is that um, an alien ship crash lands on Earth in the present day, and the creature inside it is um, destroying things, and there's no way to communicate with it. So the government hauls out Elliot and his sister and a E.T. clone that they've had to try and connect with this alien and save the Earth. Wow. E.T. clone. That's cool. Right. Yeah, there's this like throwaway line in the movie that I never noticed as a kid where they're like, he's got DNA. The scientists, like when they're studying him, he's got DNA. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so bad that they have his DNA. So, ah, so they did take a lot go. of his blood. Yeah. Yeah. So they stored it up and made a little clone. Nice. All right. All right, Jeff. Okay, so, well, initially, I wanted to set it in present day, too, except for, yeah, thinking about Elliot in, like, his mid to late 40s, that's a little bit older than I would have ideally liked. Um, but I don't want to recast. Uh, do I? I don't know. But either way, my idea was to have somebody in kind of, like, their mid-30s. So if this was either made 10 years ago or, heaven forbid, we actually recast, but maybe that's a possibility. But anyway, so Elliot is in his mid-30s, and he kind of hasn't put his life together. And, and so he's either, like, I don't know what saying you don't have your life together is. Like, if that means that you're a barista at Starbucks, no offense for you, a baristas at Starbucks. Or if you're a temp, no offense. Or an admin, no offense. Something like that where it's like they're in a career that's not really like, you know, doesn't say, you know, I'm, I'm set and good and whatever. Anyway, so he's walking home one night and all of a sudden a, spa a spaceship shows up over him and he recognizes it as the same spaceship that took E.T. away, you know, 30 plus years ago. And the little portal opens up and he sees E.T. And E.T. says the same thing he says at the end of the, the first movie. Come. And this time, Elliot, you know, thinks about it and goes like, oh my gosh, I totally should have. So, okay. So he goes with E.T. and they go to, um, uh, with E.T. to E.T.'s home planet. Um, now for me, I kind of liked, because that was one of the things I liked about E.T. is that E.T. was alien enough to look alien, but relatable enough for you to love him. So the same thing with like a, his home planet, I would want his home planet to look different enough to be alien, but not like, not like Dagobah where it's just a swamp or not like, so I was thinking maybe if it was like reminiscent of an anthill, maybe where it's very like hive like, and there's a lot of tunnels. I don't know. Something that was alien enough, but not foreign enough to be unrelatable. 
Uh, and then, um, anyway, so then it turns out on this planet, to make a long story short, ET, or Elliot is now the extraterrestrial because he's the one that doesn't fit in. And so he has to learn their language and he has to learn how, like, what's the whole thing with their heart glowing and how do they communicate and how do they live and what's important and what's blah, blah, blah. He's the ET now on ET's planet and eventually has to kind of swallow his whole human pride about the way we live our life is the best way to live it, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually the end of the story is that he decides he wants to go home, not so much because he doesn't fit in and everything like that, but because Earth is actually his home where he belongs, and now he's got a new perspective that he can bring back to us. Okay, so flipping it around, give give Elliot an idea of what E.T. went through. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Know. All right. I can see that. Adam, wrap All us right. up with your pitch. So uh, this is uh, kind of interesting. I did set it in modern day. Uh, Henry Thomas is still acting. Uh, so I did figure we'd just bring back the original cast here. Uh, but at this point, Elliot and his siblings have grown up throughout their lives to believe that the encounter with E.T. was just a group psychosis that they experienced, the trauma of their parents' divorce, and they just created it. And years of therapy have kind of pushed it away. Uh, but Elliot uh, has uh, taken to medicating himself to block out these communications that E.T. still sends to him. E.T.'s been inviting him to visit and he sends him these plans kind of in his head uh, there's all these concepts of physics and interstellar travel that have that elliot has applied and he's kind of become the next stephen hawking but he's still just troubled because he he doesn't believe it's true yet he gets all this information and suddenly this expert um, he also, as he's giving these lectures, he starts noticing uh, this disgruntled man that shows up. And then at one point, he is uh, at lunch with uh, Gertie and Mike, his brother and sister. And uh, he has an episode where he has this really intense uh, kind of vision of E.T. in a cell being tortured. And so he's just, but they talk him down, you know, he goes to the pharmacy to get more of his medication and he runs into a who turns out to be a federal agent named Mendez who takes him in a back room and reveals to him that it was true and that <laughs> the government has actually been monitoring the three of them for their entire lives, kind of intervening when necessary to make sure they didn't get too much information or things that would, you know, make it clear to them that it actually had happened. And what they did is took his research they took all of elliot's research and knowledge that he's been sharing they created a probe sent it out to lure et back to earth and they captured him because they want to kind of pump the information out of him and get more and more and more uh but now et is you know just unresponsive he's sad he won't do anything so they need elliot to coerce him so of course elliot's shocked he's appalled he's upset but he wants to see his friend, wants to find out, is it true? And if it is true, he wants to find out what he can do to help E.T. So he goes, sees him, he's being held captive, he's so sad. And uh, and they share some you know, tender moments, but that gets interrupted when Elliot gets a, a text from Gertie's cell phone uh, that says basically that she's been kidnapped. And the only way that he's getting her back and Mike has also been kidnapped. The only way that uh, he gets to see his siblings again is if uh, Elliot turns himself over to this mysterious guy who turns out to be a militant conspiracy theorist who feels like Elliot is uh, 
is a threat to mankind and he's a traitor because he's been getting this information from aliens and he's spreading it throughout the world. And so basically what happens is Elliot and E.T. kind of team up. They break out of the government headquarters to go save his siblings. So now the government's after them. Plus they got to, you know, somehow outsmart this, uh, this guy that's uh, kidnapping people. And finally what happens is they end up going to E.T.'s home planet because E.T. gets the, the probe working again. The two, the Mendez and this uh, crazy guy who's, uh, you know, who's kidnapping people. He ends up, uh, his name's Crenshaw, ends up going with them. They go to the planet and they see, uh, you know, they basically experience E.T.'s world and kind of change their whole philosophy, their, so, their whole view on what aliens are and what they represent and you misusing them or mistrusting them and all these things. And so that's basically the, you know, the, the film itself is kind of all of those elements coming together and kind of reclaiming ultimately what happens is, you know, Elliot is kind of reclaiming the truth and love and joy of his childhood is kind of, you know, that if we want to look at it that way, that's how I'd sell it to Spielberg. I'd be like, do you see, do you see? that's what it's really about. And you love kids and childhood and, and, and sweetness and all of that. Right. Yeah. That's what it's really about. So yeah, that's, that's my pitch folks. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Oof. That's rough. Ah. <laughs> Got a lot of good All ideas right. here. Here, here's the vote. Uh, Jeff, give us your vote. Uh, I'm actually gonna vote for Jeremy's. I thought yours was the least dark of the three. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 Jeff, wait, wait, wait a minute before we get to Judy's vote. Jeff, yeah, let's let's think about this. Jeremy's yeah. thing is that the world was being destroyed. Where at the no, end no. Of the world was already destroyed. That's the dark part. Everything else, it's basically Wally. Once you get to that, and I yes, love Wally, yes, so I can I totally did. do an ET version of Wally. Like the end, just don't want to see. the credits yeah. of Wally goes on and on. Exactly, but with ET coming back to save the world, I'm all uh, about that. Judy, <laughs> let's hear it. Yeah. Let's hear it. That's tough. They're all kind of cool, but I think I'm gonna vote for Jeff's because I did think it would be cool. Like to imagine what ET's world looks like. And especially like as watching it as a grown up, you're like, what kind of creature has these like really long arms and like no legs? Like, where does their <laughs> what is their planet like? You just start kind of I kind of wanted to see like that. I'm like, is ET like the baby or is he the oldest? Like, what's the deal? So I I wanted to see more of like ET's world and his um like yeah the ets or whatever we would call them the aliens from his planet well i i mean my vote and this is i mean we're going to be split again jeremy's going to be our tiebreaker as always because i was going for judy's because i just love this the et clone concept i want to see what happens with that i feel like there's some really cool potential because that never goes well jurassic park has taught us some things and, and jurassic all park spider-man no one seems to have learned from Jurassic Park. They keep thinking they can do it right. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure be it better. out. By the way, speaking of Jurassic Park, before we get to Jeremy's tie-breaking vote, um, E.T., when it came out, was the highest grossing film ever. And then Spielberg 
is the one, only one who broke that with Jurassic Park, you know, like 11 years yeah. later. So he broke his own record, which is crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah, because he took it away from Star Wars. Yeah, which is nuts, if you can believe that, you know. All right, Jeremy, it's down to you. Oh, boy. I actually didn't anticipate getting any votes. Um. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Now, is there a way we can mash up Jeff and Judy's pitches? Um, I think we probably can, actually. Unless, speaking of mashups, if you want to go back to our War of the Worlds episode, we could all vote for my pitch there, <laughs> which is <laughs> also a sequel. Hey, go back oh, and listen. Yeah, I, I had all the Spielberg aliens. There's like a dozen movies <laughs> all rolled into one. Uh, <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. Go to the archives. <laughs> no, but no, I actually, I, I think Jeremy, that was very democratic of you. Um, well, but, you know, I, I can see it as they would begin experimenting with the DNA that they've got the clone. They've been trying for 20, 30 years now. Hasn't been, hasn't fully cloned this alien. And so they begin tinkering with it in order to lure the, uh, as Star Wars calls them, the Asogans. What? Back to really? Earth. That's what they call them. Yeah, That's yeah, oh. okay. yeah. They they come from the planet Brodo Asogi. Oh. <laughs> but okay. anyway, to lure the aliens back down, in order to pick up this lost alien, oh. to trick them and in the process it doesn't go as planned they come back and et is part of the welcoming party and takes elliot back with him and that's where we roll into jeff's pitch hmm. and okay. so elliot then has the choice to either say i want to stay or go and it, it's all off of them tinkering with this clone well, and I think I could build on that because what, what yeah. I'm seeing is they build the clone, they lure him down, they go back with Elliot. Now, you didn't say they took the clone with them to the planet. What if the clone, again, the diff, you know, the the difficulty that comes in with cloning, they're you know, they're unpredictable, uncontrollable. What if it starts multiplying and becomes violent, becomes the alien destroyer? like judy was talking about so it's like you know critters or whatever you know like uh, more like gremlins when you get gremlins. it wet yeah but that's what i'm saying like it multiplies <laughs> and it the et clones are what are destroying the world and they do it and so when elliot goes back the world is dead and those aliens oh have gosh, killed see, each you other guys keep going. <laughs> jeremy jeremy's pitch jeremy's pitch you guys just can't resist have a happy oh. have a happy story uh, what, okay. Did you guys well, see this original movie? I mean, what in this original movie makes you... Th well, and here's the funny thing, too, is that this movie came out the same year, or was it early, whatever, just before um, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. And John Carpenter's The Thing has now gone down as one of like sci-fi horror's greatest movies ever made. But at the time, it was a bomb because nobody wanted to see an alien movie about an alien that was trying to eat everybody. They wanted to see <laughs> E.T. that everybody loved. That's what but we're you saying. Guys, <laughs> it's time to get its comeuppance. Uh, no, but uh, we, uh, so we can, we can knock that out. Let's make it a happy story. Can we try to make this a happy story? Judy, are you on board with that? Yeah, no, I mean, in my original idea is that the 
the alien clone would they would like it'd been frozen or something so then they unfreeze it and they try to get it to communicate with the alien and then through elliot and so it does like it works but then the alien that's destroying things hears from the et he's like oh yeah they've have me frozen for 15 or you know 40 years or whatever and they've been torturing me so this place is no good and he's like oh, okay i'll destroy it thanks for the info so then through that then elliot has to start trying to like use the alien to reach out to the real et and be like come help us so so then hmm. et can come and see and for me i feel alien. like the the world because that, that was the thing too is that even when i went back and we just watched it last night is that as a child what i remembered and that was the reason that one of the reasons i was so against spielberg taking out the shotguns is because i remember that the adults were like horrible to et and that they were like yeah i mean like to see them dissecting him or torturing him or whatever but really when you actually look at it like the adults that we actually see aren't like that the the main guy that we're so scared of the entire movie with the keys and everything like that he's basically an adult elliot already where he even says like i've dreamed of this my entire life and he's everybody is heartbroken when et dies and so for me, turning those people into the people that clone him and then torture him, ah, uh, that, that feels like a different tortured. Maybe we leave torture out of this. I, <laughs> that, that, that's the part that makes it so sad. But do, Well, you'd have to do some experimenting on it to yeah, figure out what... Yeah, cloned him. So they right. Well, but not necessarily that. I mean, maybe it's... Well, because on, on the flip side, because you also get like E.T. And that was... I know Judy even said when we watched it the other night is that the scene now in in post watching it that the that most kind of grabs me is when et like they find or uh, uh what's his name the older brother finds et on like the creek bed and he's all he's naked yeah. and he's like all chi and there's like a there's like a raccoon pawn at him and it's just like oh <laughs> but there's so clearly something about like our world or like that separation that makes him sick so it could certainly be that they clone him and he gets sick and they don't know why. And maybe that's why they have to go to Elliot and they have to figure out a way to get him home. Okay. Ooh. Okay. What if they have to mind meld him with the new clone? Yeah. And now the clone is using Elliot as a relay back to the home world. Well, or even I liked what Adam had with the whole, like, because it is a clone of the original is that there's already a bond somehow and that maybe yeah elliot adult elliot starts getting these flashes and maybe he misinterprets them as torture but it's just because you know the et doesn't know where it is and is real panicky or whatever and, and can we just agree the et this et clone will be called e2 <laughs> well that was my original idea for the name of the movie entirely would be et2 t-o-o -O, uh, because now the extraterrestrial in my idea would be elliot he's the yeah. alien now and so but no. I'm, I'm down i wouldn't e2 e <laughs> Yeah. Well, because that would be like his serial number in the cloning. <laughs> like the first clone didn't go well. The next clone worked a little bit better. Oh, He's see, E2. now you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, what was the alien resurrection? That's pretty gross, oh. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not going that far. No, so, so this is my question then. So, what we're saying is they, is there a disease that the ET that's sick 
that they need to relay like is the is the government believing that elliot needs to like go to the home world find a cure that they can come back or they just want to get rid because it seems like they would just destroy that clone if it was causing problems see but not so. if it's not if we make a sympathetic like if the same scientist that found mm. et and then I again see. i've been dreaming of this my whole life is that he wants to save et yeah like or he want e2 yeah. e whatever you call it well, what about i think <laughs> it was too. whoever was had the tribbles idea but like so maybe they clone him but it's not a perfect clone because you know whatever cloning never works so it is a sympathetic creature but it is like still somehow not only sick but also like destroying things like it can't control its telekinesis or something yes maybe not so malevolent kind of like, yeah okay yeah so it's like that. okay like we can't have this creature here it's it's not well here but it's also destructive but it's our fault so then they're like the best option is to try and get the aliens to come and take it back to their planet where they can maybe fix it yeah. or whatever. Well, because then the other thought that I had was kind of like Adam said, was that what if we make Elliot like that, like a, you know, a scientist where some, he is as absorbed something from ET and that, because that was the thing about the original ET is that he still was essentially a mechanical genius that he could make an interstellar communication device out of a, a, a umbrella and a talkie thingy. A speak and spell so, and a saw blade. A speak yeah. and spell and a saw blade. So like, what if like, yeah, that they call in Elliot and then they design a spaceship together. Is that two explorers E or yeah, I think that's awesome. So he's he's essentially been working for NASA as part of the extraterrestrial department or something. I could get yeah, yeah. I mean maybe. Well, I, I almost like that Elliot was not involved with the government or anything because he had such like a bad experience as a kid. But I maybe like they that. call him in and they're like, "Look, you like you know you're you're the person who knows the most, but you've never cooperated with us. Mm. But now it's personal. Now it is you know your friend, and we did this with you know DNA for this creature that you loved, and we need your help now." But the the thing I'm still not understanding is. Because we're we're saying like they want to save the clone and they want to go to the planet or call the aliens to help this clone. I just feel like there has to be a threat to the world, which is why they're willing to make this expenditure and do all that. And again, maybe it's not that it's malevolent, but it's like like they they believe there's some good that can come of it. But right now, it's a real problem. And so, well, like, then what if what if they don't? What if they don't get behind it? What if they bring? El what if we do kind of like a flight of the navigator sort of a thing where Elliot comes in and like they secretly they like they secretly build a spaceship and escape uh, like without their permission or like you know whatever. Okay, I see what you're saying. Well, what if it's that? It's like Elliot's there. He's sort of helping, and then the telekinetic or the te telepathic connection that he has with the real ET. ET sees what happened, what's happening, and maybe he knows it's going to create a real problem for the Earth. So he does. He just comes back of his own accord to basically stop them from continuing any further and take the clone back. And he takes Elliot with him, and that's when Elliot sees the home world has these wonderful adventures learns about being the alien there you know like it is like all the cutesy stuff that's happening and then <laughs> meanwhile that clone is adjusting to okay these these would be my people but i don't i also don't fit in here because i don't i'm not really from here oh. type thing 
I feel like we bit off more than we can chew then because it kind of feels like then we have two stories. We have the story of the clone escaping. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We need to find the third part. Well, which was it? It reminds me almost of the... Because what was it? C.S. Lewis wrote a space trilogy that was something like... Although it was more about a guy like... like, uh, stowing away on a spaceship and stuff like that and coming to some foreign alien planet and everything. Hmm. Well, but I guess the question is, because like, I don't feel like each movie, like I don't feel like you have to have a whole movie that focuses on, oh, is cloning right and this issue is going to destroy the world and blah, blah, blah. I feel like that's like the first 15 minutes of the film is oh, the reveal. Oh. Elliot gets involved. This is happening. E.T. now sees through Elliot's eyes what's happening with this cloned creature that is going to potentially you know create disease or something in you know in their world that's going to wipe them out so he comes to save him bring him back teach him some things and and introduce him to his family and he learns their customs and at the same time the clone is learning all of this and then whatever the government was really after what were we hoping to learn from this which is probably like the telekinesis, the ability to move things, or the regenerative power. And maybe E.T. says, I will teach you how to create, you know, uh, this regenerative power or something, you know, that type of thing is what Elliot's able to take back. But it's on like a Okay, so what if, what if our clone is, rather than being able to rejuvenate and heal plants and flora and all of that maybe this clone is killing plants and flora and could be detrimental to the planet yeah and so they have to come and get him in order to offset him on their own world yeah, that makes sense. And they can teach Elliot how to restore everything while he's there. So then there's like, yeah. So maybe it's a device. Well, like I, they're not going to make create an organic yeah. being that does it, but they give him some type of technology that's organic in nature because they're like, you know, vegetation. Their green planet supposedly is is all built, you know, out of vegetation. So. Yeah. Well, I still feel like, and again, from a child's perspective. Uh, you, you get one thing from E.T., but from like from adult perspective, again, I don't think we see a a nefarious or a a a manipulative or or, or like ill willing government, government. Yeah. in yeah. E.T. Where like like I said, I honestly believe that their hope was they wanted to come and they wanted to save E.T. and that not dissect him. They wanted to meet him and talk to him and like. And, and I mean, I love one of my favorite lines in the movie, the original movie, is where he says, I'm so glad he met you first. And it was like, oh my gosh, like that's that's kind of the whole E.T. experience. Mm-hmm. So to make it instead now where they're, yeah, cloning him for the sake of like, yeah, let's dissect him and figure out what part of his brain allows him to do. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of would like to not have that. The well, government no, I, be I, like I, that. I think I think you're right. I think they were cloning him for a good purpose. I think I think it's a good. And Peter Coyote was the actor that played that kind of benevolent government agent. Yeah. I think it would be a good idea to have him be the one who's been guiding it all these years, and he's the one who thinks to bring in Elliot when things are not going right. But mm-hmm. and and but but they are they again. Maybe that is, is they're trying to maybe find a cure for cancer or for HIV or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they want 
something that can heal and they believe they create this creature, this clone that could go and heal people, it would be benevolent, but it's just, they don't realize again, they did it wrong. Like Judy said, now it's killing things or that Judy or Jeremy, um, but it's, it's killing things. And then what happens is, you know, ET also, you know, is aware that it could create a real problem, saves the day, you know? Right. I, I I so they're, works, they're yeah. testing it and they find that it's killing cancer but it's also killing everything else. Hmm. So it's like it overdoes. It's not seeking out just the cancer, but it's seeking out and just taking out everything around it also. And, and we could, there could be a little through line there again, not that it's, it's evil government, but it could be maybe like the Peter Coyote character or somebody else that's higher up has a family member that has cancer so they're pushing it a little bit harder than they should just out of caring and that's where the danger is is they're like look it doesn't matter this could save you know thousands of lives blah 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 so what if we lose this and this you know like so it, that's where the danger is coming in because they're they're making a person right it wouldn't decision. be nefarious it yeah. would just yeah be, yeah well uh, and it could also be because that was yeah that was the thing too that i felt and i know like i think you said in in the novelization that E.T. was supposed to be thousands of years or old or whatever, but I think he comes across in the first movie as childlike, and where well, from I mean, our that's perspective, he, right? Yeah, well, from but not only perspective, not only from our perspective, but even just like I always that was always the impression that I got. Where I mean, like you think about it, they come to this planet and they're exploring, and one of them wanders off, and he wasn't like. You know, everybody else, it seems like the first, like, couple of minutes of the movie shows the other aliens, and they're, like, investigating the plants. And E.T. just, like, wanders off to go look at the lights. And then he gets left behind. He gets very scared when people show up, and he runs through screaming, like, with his light thing and stuff. Well, but he, he's from he's from a, a different world, a simpler place. It's true, but it still feels out. like he could be more childlike. So that was my thought, is that imagine... Just curious, though. Yeah, perhaps. Well, maybe, just but I'm just saying. Overly imagine, curious. Imagine an eight-year-old child that has this ability. An eight-year-old child that has the ability to heal, and all of a sudden, he he can't control it, or it like yeah. it's not healing anymore. Then that would be like to say, like, hey, we need to bring in someone who understands that, and let's bring in. And so then, instead of having the two children, and that was, I think the magic of et is that you had you know elliot who was 8 10 12 however old he was uh with an alien and they really you know were kindred spirits eye to eye and so now maybe you don't quite have that but you have elliot as this you know 40 50 year old kind of like coming along as a almost like a father figure to someone that he knew or something like that yeah no, I think yeah, I think that's I think that's nice, and I I, I think it, it feels a lot, you know, again, a gentler film than what we were going for up top. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about John Carpenter's The Thing next week, and then we'll. <laughs> but no, but def definitely, I I think yeah, because we 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 want to bring back kind of the sweetness and for you know a new generation, and that's what I feel like because with this type of film, obviously. The people who are most interested are the people from 30 odd years ago that were kids when they saw it and it was the most magical film they've ever seen. But you want to, you know, a studio wants to reinvigorate a franchise. They want to bring in new audience. You want, and these, that same 
group of people wants to bring their kids to enjoy a similar film. So you don't want it to be too intense, but, and then, so I'm sure the, the younger kids are just going to love it when you get to the ET planet, you know, while the adults can kind of appreciate the intrigue and the other emotional elements of, you know, life threatening disease and all those things. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I think this uh, adults like do appreciate story. a good life threatening disease. I <laughs> yes. Yes. How, how many lifetime original films have you seen? Come on. <laughs> Oh, anything, anybody want to add anything extra to this? Is there is, I mean, the one thing is, is there a moment that is going to be similar to the flag across the moon? Like, is it, what's going to be the magical uh, moment on ET's planet that Elliot, you know, gets to experience with ET? What do you think? I think it would be, well, one, you'd have the magical moment of like when, when Elliot sees, like the ET2, ET clone or whatever. And, you know, that interaction right there is going to be the big moment. But yeah, something on the planet, like maybe it's, because it's almost like, I don't know, because that was even the thing with my idea about Elliot learning their culture and learning how to be, he's the alien. But it was like, he was never really going to fit in because he can't move things with his mind or heal things with his finger or his fingers don't light up. So, but the <laughs> ET clone would. And so it might be interesting if like, maybe that's one thing that like, as a clone, he'd never been able to move anything, you know, telekinetically. And that that's that moment where he actually does. And he, I don't know, lifts up Elliot and Elliot gets to fly or I don't know. <laughs> Elliot's already flown. He's going to be like, yeah, whatever. Been but he doesn't do the bike that. now. <laughs> Why did they keep pedaling? I mean, I guess what else do you do? But do you need to pedal when you're already flying? Well, but, but I, I think what you're saying is it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, it's more about like a magical moment for the clone who's finally like doing something right, who's finally coming into his own. And he because he's kind of been a pathetic, sad character up to this point, mm. and now he's where he should be. I, I see what you're saying. Because like, yeah, Elliot already had that moment where he and E.T. bonded, and now E2, you know, could, uh, could have the same thing. But, yeah, that's kind of that's mm. cool. What if also when he gets to their planet, there's like, because I don't know how we said he was going to get there if E.T. comes and gets I'm sure E.T. just brings his like, spaceship, yeah. Yeah, so then I just had an idea of like, when they get to the planet, obviously there's a lot of like plants or whatever because that's their whole deal so maybe the flower that they sent back with et like it's like giant or something but he recognizes it like oh yeah he's like earth plant so there's this oh. moment where he turns and look and it's like look there's that flower and it's like huge or i don't know something like that so then it's like that connection to the first scene or whatever yeah so we have a few scene. callbacks there yeah, I, I, I will tell you, this is really goofy, but in my pitch, because it was about Elliot, like, kind of reclaiming his youth and all that, I had a moment where he goes to E.T.'s house, and E.T. has painted a portrait of him and Elliot from 82. <laughs> but it was made out of plants, you know, but it looked, like, so beautiful. And, one, and Elliot's, like, totally touched by the tribute to their friendship, you know. But, yeah, but I think the flower is better, Judy. <laughs> much better well and again as long as you get john williams i mean they could be staring at a blank white wall and with williams music behind it they would be that that is the most amazing white wall i have ever seen (laughs) Uh, but yeah i think that's it so 
I mean, as far as title goes, though, are we do we like the E2 idea or do, like because that, that's what I'm wondering, like what we do we need to call it, you know, something because uh, like, you know, E2 doesn't really tell anybody anything you, like you have to have E.T. in the title, I feel like. Um, but like it's it's or it's like E.T. the extraterrestrial and then just call it home, maybe. You know, just like is the it's that's kind of a long title, but ET the extraterrestrials a long title too. Or like so. Earth to ET. <laughs> like Earth, Earth to Echo. E. Earth to yeah. ET. Oh, I guess that was a movie. Yeah. Come yeah. in, come in, ET. Yeah. Earth to ET. Yeah. Are you E2 phone home. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I mean, well, and that was like, like I said, I had that E. E T two T O O, but that seems a little too. Uh, yeah, it seems like look who's talking to me. Yeah, or Teen Wolf too. I often oh, bring Teen up, Wolf. which is yeah. great. But like E T. No, it was not. E. <laughs> there you go. There you got Judy. E T the return. Oh, the return. Hey, sounds Done. a little intense. She's but I think a genius. That's a little turn. intense. A little intense for this conversation. Now, obviously, we're getting Spielberg back to direct. Uh, I mean, at this point, Jeff, you were concerned with having the original cast come back, but are you okay with that at this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drew Barrymore back. That's true. Yeah, definitely. And she'd be totally up for it, too. Yeah. Right. She's like all over special features all the time. Whenever there's like the 30th anniversary and stuff, she was being interviewed, yeah. you know. So I feel like, yeah, that'd be great. That, that would just have to be a moment is like that, like Elliot meets with his siblings again and he tells them, you know, like, can you believe I, what they've done? And, you know, and it's, you know, all this stuff. And maybe it'll be happy. Maybe it'll be kind of sad, a little bit of both. You know, something like that. Well, and I think it could be like, yeah, when they need to call Elliot to come in, is that they would call all three of them in, um, so that they would all come to see ET to E two E two E squared. Yeah, E squared. Yeah. And then okay, well, yeah, yeah, something like that, or maybe he's just at like a a family gathering. You know, like maybe they're all at their mom's house, like just. Or maybe you finally meet the dad. He's back from Mexico after all these years. Oh, oh, leave no. the dirt bag in Mexico. With the dad. Have some self-respect. Exactly. Yeah, but maybe, there has to be, maybe it's about forgiveness. Maybe Elliot learns forgiveness through this journey. I don't know. Well, uh, but, yeah. you're trying to pack too much in now. But yeah, so yeah, I, I think I think that's fine. Just bring everybody back. And it doesn't sound like we're introducing too many new characters. Although, do you want to have the, uh, the E2? Do you want it to have more verbal skills than E.T. did? And maybe it can like, it's got not, not necessarily like a whole lot more personality, but it can communicate better. So it, it is more kind of like a child. And that's yeah. why you kind of can sympathize with it more because it speaks more. Well, and that would be clearly. part of it too, where like, cause yeah, part of my idea was going to the planet is that the whole like, and it was the tough thing too. When you think about it, like whenever there's a sci-fi movie, all sci-fi movies, I mean, obviously are very human centric where it's let's not let's never forget we're the best we're always the best whenever you run into anything and so even you know ET 
it was very presumptuous of them. They were kids, so it's forgivable for them to be like, learn our culture. You're stupid because you don't know how to speak. And it's just like, <laughs> no, you, you don't know how to speak his language. So them going to that planet, then they wouldn't all speak English. But then it's just kind of like, so do you do the entire rest of the movie in subtitles? Uh, well, no, like it would probably be. Yeah. Like they don't speak at all. Like in the woods at the beginning, you see like something happens and all their hearts glow because they're communicating like telepathically. So I think it would be like that E.T. when he went back just for funsies taught everyone to speak because why not? What else do we have going on? So they would know how to communicate with Elliot. But maybe that would be something he could learn along the way is that just by being there, he can communicate with yeah. his thoughts. So you don't need subtitles, but it's just like you just hear everyone's thoughts or whatever. Yeah, that, that maybe maybe easier, along yeah. that lines, they give him something right. when he arrives on the planet in order to communicate with them. So then the question becomes, who is the voice of E.T. when he can hear E.T. just speaking English? What, you know, like, are we, are we going that far or does that take away E.T.'s, you know, sweetness and his, you know, childlike nature that we fell in love with by allowing him to speak fluently? Well, and so I, I like, can understand. think the, well, yeah, because like, like Judy was saying, like, what if it's, it is, it's more about teaching Elliot to to communicate telepathically. So they don't actually move their mouths, but then as the audience, we would hear them, like hear their thoughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so initially, yeah, like maybe he, because if you think about it, it's not like over the last 40 years, E.T.'s at home practicing his English. I mean, why? <laughs> there would be no point. Um, so if he shows up on his planet, he would still, I think it would be, it'd be a cute callback for him to still only have, you know, a four word vocabulary. But, but then there would be a voice that speaks to Elliot in his mind, right? Yes. Exactly. It would then, be, it would be Gary Busey. Busey. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the interesting thing too, which is another, and there was, there's a, there's a doctor who episode where, um, there's like a challenge that one says, or he says that. Uh, like you can communicate, but you can only use one word. So you have to communicate everything you want to say in only one word. So she really has to think about what to do. And that was kind of how E.T. communicated, where commu- he communicated a lot, but he'd only do one word sentences. So it'd be really interesting. Like, what if that was how they communicated? They just communicated in one concept at a time. Ooh, and, I like that. And, but there was so much. Like, like when he, like, oh, now I'm going to get all choked up. Like when he said, stay, <laughs> boom, it was just like, he could have written a paragraph about what that meant, but we knew exactly what that one word meant. Yeah, I, um, I think I think stay. that's a better way to go is like Elliot still just hears the single word, but then like they show, they show more than they have to okay. speak. Like they, they could just explain by like, you know, they just kind of point him in a direction and he can understand what they're seeing. And visually as a storyteller, as a, you know, filmmaker, Spielberg makes it all clear to us. Like he's making mm. it clear to Elliot, the, the, right. the things that are being conveyed. I, th- yeah, I think that works way better because it keeps intact what we know is E.T.'s speech. And it gives us more of those moments where it's just like, 
it lets the film breathe, right? It lets it lets it just kind of happen around us rather than everybody, all the ET people. Well, this is our history and this is what we do here. This is the reason that we eat with these strange utensils and whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. I, th I think that would that would be less fun or less, I don't know, less familiar. <laughs> so Either that or we get a yeah. C-3PO unit over there. <laughs> oh my gosh come on <laughs> well or at least just c-3po good they're all right one, they're all one universe now so yeah do it <laughs> you know he's well, always up for that. you have found a more annoying robot come on <laughs> doesn't have to be him specifically but a similar type we were talking We're about metropolis like before the forms of communication so yeah. oh but no, I, I think that's a, a nice film. I think I think it uh, it definitely gets to the heart of ET and and allows him to be the hero and allows uh, a re the reunion everybody wants. Um, and the only other thing I just I, I at a certain point I was like, for the kids, does there need to be a child involved in this story somehow? Um, but maybe it's just again I feel like the E two is kind of filling that role of like almost like Elliot's child, you know, like that he's trying to raise, yeah. he's trying to, to teach. And, and so that's where we kind of see that the kids can connect with E2. So, the kids always get in trouble to, for destroying things. Like you were saying, Jeff, about them, <laughs> you know, like destroying things with powers. They don't understand as kids are getting yeah. to know their bodies. They're experiencing that. So I just feel like they would connect very well. Right. What if they we even make like the the ET clone like like literally a child? Like maybe it's only been alive for like you know however long it takes to develop, and so it's smaller maybe even like it's half the size of ET. That would be mm -hmm. cute. Yeah. Now the one hesitation, not even hesitation, the one thing that I would know, and I, it'd be like, if I'm writing this script, I would maybe put in a clause, I will not sell it to you, Steven Spielberg, until you promise me that none of these ETs will be digitally generated. I need 100% puppetry, because otherwise I can just picture the Jar Jar Binkses running around, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. That's that's a tall order, Jeff. But How like, is it a tall order? That's all like... He's just been brainwashed again. All right, the, the figure the figure I heard on the original ET puppet that they used was one and a half million dollars for that puppet. Change compared to how much does, does an avatar cost? Those avatars were like a hundred million each. <laughs> well, I'll just say that, that you know, if you go back to Gremlins two, was the last time you saw like literally like dozens, maybe hundreds of puppets on screen at the same time, you know, like that were that were being handled, and they were that type of you know like a like a whole scene going on in the background and in the foreground, all of that with just live puppets. So maybe he could just you know talk to Joe Dante. How'd you do it way back when? Yeah. All right, well... we're gonna bring it back. I guess in the I was I was more thinking of the individuals, but yeah, when you have a gr a group scene, then you, you that's fine. I, I can just you know turn oh, away okay. or whatever. But but for the <laughs> I'm just picturing little mini ET digital, and it's just it's a it's an atrocity. It's, it's yeah, oh. that's true. I, I would mean, like, save this creature. Physical creature, it, yeah. It'd look like Wally. <laughs>
Well, except for everything in Wally was was animated. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be like those, which I don't think they were fully. They were digitally enhanced. The the bad guys in the first uh the first Star Wars prequel. Oh. Gosh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. And they were even part puppet, and they still looked ridiculous. <laughs> oh, so many rants today. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, as far as merchandising goes, uh, I feel like there's just got to be some type of, you know, interactive e- E2 puppet, you know, that you could buy. Like, I don't know, it'd be like some kind of like animatronic Furby Scrap type creature. Scrap the Furby and yeah. make it an E.T. Yeah, and it's just you just upload the app, but you know it's like the, it's like the BB-8s that you can control with your phone. You can play games with your E2, and it all you know it could heal something on your phone, or you know like whatever. You gotta you gotta like let it get within proximity, and it reaches the finger out, you know, and all sorts of stuff. That'd be cool. Any other merchandise ideas, guys? That's a pipe dream, but yeah. I mean, you don't think that's merchandising, possible? you're going to hit everything. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be flooded with ET, much like BB 8 was before we even knew BB 8. So, <laughs> so as long as E2 gives us a flaming thumbs up at some point, like instead of his, his, his finger, it's his thumb that, that glows. <laughs> That'd be cool. I don't know why I did the flame sound like his thumb is on fire. It just glows, it doesn't burn. All right. Well, that's enough for tonight. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sticking with us for this year. Thank you for being subscribers. We appreciate it. If you're not a subscriber, just go to our website. We've got all the links to all the social media. Find us where you can on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we hope to have another year or more with you. And on that note, we are out. Enjoy this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 